Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And with that, welcome into this Jump Around Locked On Browns podcast. I am your host, Jared K. Mueller. Thank you again for stopping by on this Thursday. December 8th. We are just a couple weeks away from Christmas. Hope you got all your shopping done. Hope you're excited for this weekend's browns Bengals matchup, which we're just going to jump right in now that RG3 has officially been named the starter. No one out there who has listened to this podcast, followed me on Twitter, or really a lot of other people should be surprised by the fact that Robert Griffin III is the starter this week. It was kind of the plan, hope all along, once they activated him um, and made him the return guy coming off of IR. So um, the real question really becomes today is what can RG3 do to A, keep himself healthy, and B, make the Browns competitive this week against the Cincinnati Bengals, whose defense really does have a lot of very, very good players on it. The Browns have to be worried. The Bengals knocked out Cody Kessler last time they played, which ended up uh, leading to Kevin Hogan running the show. Uh, Enough that we needed, what we need to know about that is that Kevin Hogan is likely to be cut over the next couple days to make room for RG3 uh, on the Browns roster. And so um, tells you what we need to know about Kevin Hogan. So what can Robert Griffin III do this week? So we'll answer that question. And then we're going to go to uh, my Twitter mailbag. And so I, I sought out some questions for today's podcast and got some really interesting ones that I want to make sure I hit. And so hence kind of the jump around kind of thought process. So um, what can Robert Griffin III do to both stay healthy and to help the Browns win? And I think it's a pretty simple, there's a few simple answers for that. First, he's got to get the ball out of his hands quickly. One of the reasons that Cody Kessler, Charlie Whitehurst, um, Josh McCown have gotten hurt is that they don't get the ball out of their hands. And so with most reads, the quarterback has a three or five step drop every once in a while, especially on play action passes. uh, They'll have a seven step drop. But during that three, five and seven step drop, the quarterback is supposed to be making his kind of reads so that when he hits that back foot, the ball is out. I did a whole piece on this for the Orange and Brown Report uh, last year when it came to Johnny Manziel and the problems that he created for the offensive line because when the offensive line is expecting a three, five, or seven-step drop, they're blocking in very, very specific ways. So on a three-step drop, the outside guys, Joe Thomas, uh, Austin Pastor, are okay with allowing their defensive ends or whoever's rushing on the outside to get upfield because they know their quarterback is taking a three-step drop. 
they block it differently when they know their quarterback is taking a five and seven step drop because that's an important understanding of where their quarterback is going to be. And so it's important that when Robert Griffin III hits that third step in a three-step drop, fifth and seventh step drop, uh, fifth and seventh step in their drop, whatever it is, that he has made a decision that he's getting the ball out of his hands. The problem for Cody Kessler and Josh McCown, Charlie Whitehurst, Kevin Hogan is when they hit their third, fifth, or seventh step, they were still deciphering the defense, trying to figure things out. And at that point in time, that's when your offensive line, no matter how good, can start to break down. And that's why often those quarterbacks were getting hit. It wasn't because our offensive line is that bad. It's because the quarterback wasn't making decisions. And so all the progressions in the route are set up to be made out of that three, five, and seven step drop, maybe a second after that, but not much more than that. And so uh, what Robert Griffin III needs to do, what his kind of main key is that he's getting the ball out of his hands as soon as he can in that three, five, or seven step drop. The second thing he needs to do is to get rid of the ball, get it out of bounds. It's something that he really has bought into uh, in preseason is when there was nothing there, he got rid of the ball instead of trying to go out of his way to make something happen. And finally, another thing that he really embraced uh, in preseason is he needs to slide. He needs to, when he runs the ball, he needs to slide, keep himself safe. The unfortunate part of his injury this time with the Browns was he was trying to go out of bounds. He was trying to make the safe play and just happened to get a helmet in a very, very specific area almost a fluky play compared to some of his other injuries in the past when he's made some mistakes trying to get that extra yard, staying in bounds, not sliding, those kind of things. And so for Robert Griffin III to be successful, for the Browns to be successful this week, he needs to get the ball out of his hands quickly, whether that's on the third step, the, five, the fifth step, or the seventh step in his drop. He needs to get the ball out when he hits that back plant foot. Second, he needs to throw the ball away. So he's not trying to really create things. It's those negative plays. It's those sacks. It's those fumbles. It's those throwing off the back foot interceptions that really have caused the Browns a lot of trouble. Jason Pierre-Paul's interception return for a touchdown or fumble return for a touchdown is a great example of that. And finally, he needs to slide and get out of bounds. He needs to protect himself so that the Browns can have some success this week against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah! Everybody get up! Everybody get up! Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like Little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep and she don't know where to find them. Yo! Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. We'll continue evaluating this week's game tomorrow on the Friday edition of the Lockdown Browns podcast, but it's time for our mailbag. And so I'm just going to kind of go through some uh, Twitter uh, questions that I got uh, over the last half hour, hour. And so it starts with Chuck Smith. Chuck is on Twitter at Truthsayer, S-A-Y-E-R, four. So Truthsayer, four. And Chuck asks, how high of a priority is it for the front office to get Priors and or Collins deal done? Chuck, from what I understand, the prior deal is very, very important to this team. Um, while they know they've drafted a bunch of wide receivers, prior is someone they see as a leader. 
Um, but they also know it's going to be a very difficult negotiation with Rosenhaus. How do you figure out everything, uh, given the fact that he's really only had one season? And so it's a very, it's probably one of the most difficult contract negotiations this regime is ever going to have. With with Jamie Collins, on the other hand, they they feel a little bit easier, not that they want to, but they feel a little easier going with the possibility of a franchise tag with Collins because of the short time that they've had him. They want to get both of them signed. It's a high priority for both of them. Uh, and I'll actually answer this a little bit more in another question. Uh, but Collins, they want to see what he's going to do in Cleveland uh, compared to what he's doing in New England. And so they've seen a lot of good so far. But really, if we're talking about priority, Pryor's deal is really important from a cultural perspective as well as keeping talent. The Collins deal isn't as important, but it's still very, very important as a centerpiece kind of defender. It just depends on whether or not they think they can get a deal done for Collins and Pryor, or do they need to franchise tag one of them? They'd prefer to get the deal done with Pryor for sure and leave that franchise tag for Collins for a lot of cultural reasons. Second question comes to me from Cleveland Pound. That's Cleveland P-O-W-N-D, and we all know where that joke comes from. And so uh, he asked the question if the best solution to solidify, solidify the offensive line is via the draft or via free agency. And uh, so Cleveland Pound, thank you for your question. And my answer to you is going to be one that you're not going to love, but this Browns organization believes in their offensive line. Getting Joel Batonio back, what they've seen from Spencer Drango, what they hope to get out of Sean Coleman, uh, the flexibility with John Greco and Austin Pastor. And there's still a lot of people who believe in Cameron Irving. So if you're really asking the question, where do you I see the Browns addressing their offensive line? That's in the draft, and that's no earlier than the third round. Now, if someone falls and it's best value, that's a kind of different conversation. But for the Browns, it's really all about uh, their current kind of crop and developing that crop. If you see anything, I think you'll see uh, a third or later for, uh, offensive lineman drafted. I don't think you're going to see a lot of money put towards the offensive line. On the other hand, just to make sure we're all on the same page, there's probably more talent in the free agency than there is this year uh, at the top level for offensive linemen. There just isn't a lot of offensive linemen that are really deserving of high-level picks. Stephen Thomas, who, if you follow me on Twitter, know that him and I go back and forth on a lot of things. Uh, great guy. Uh, you can follow him at 15, Stephen 15. Those are all numbers. So 15 is a number, Stephen 15. Uh, he's a comedian as well. Um, and he asked uh, a bunch of questions. And so I'm just going to hit on a couple. How active do I think the Browns will be in free agency? I don't think the Browns are going to be as active as many Browns fans want them to be, given their cap space. They have a ton of cap space. A lot of that's going to go to Pryor and Collins, hopefully. And then I think you're going to see this Browns organization try to get some of these deals done for future free agents if they can. So that's Joel Batonio, that's Christian Kirksey. And so I think you may see one splash, may see one splash, but really you're talking about prior. And they got an early look at Collins in free agency uh, now through the trade. So he's really uh, would be their big splash. Um, but there's a possibility that the Browns will find somebody out there uh, who really kind of fits what they want to do. Uh, but I don't think they're going to be as active as many Browns fans want them to be. And at what position? You know, it really just depends on value. This team really looks at value in, in a strong way. And so um, you could, I could see running back being that position, uh, if I had to guess, uh, or defensive back. But we have a lot of needs there. The question really becomes is do you keep Joe Hayden 
if you're going to sign someone that's really expensive in the defensive backfield. Steven continues with, if RG3 wins two games and costs him the number one pick, will you chip in to have him whacked? Nope. Doesn't matter if they win the games late in the season, early in the season. Browns fans wanted wins early in the season. You can't want wins early in the season and now start begging for losses. You can tell me you can do that, but it doesn't make any sense because wins early in the season affects the draft status the same as wins late in the season. So they could have won in week one, two, and three and lost the rest of the games. And that three and 13 mark is the same as if they lost the first 13 games and win the next three. Uh, my buddy, Michael Bodie, who writes for uh, waiting for next year at MGBODE underscore FN or WFNY. So that's MGBODE underscore WFNY. Make sure you give him a follow. A lot of good stuff on the Indians. That's what he does primarily in his writing. Is the Liz Frank the new staff infection for the Browns? You know, I think actually it's been interesting to see how many Liz Frank injuries have kind of occurred across the NFL. Um, and I wonder how much of that is the bigger stress for faster, stronger thing, how much of it is supplements, which a lot of the supplements, uh, at least that I know of, and again, I'm not, you know, a trainer or anything like that, but a lot of the supplements that I know of um, do a lot of draining of kind of liquids and of water and can dehydrate and can cause a lot of strain on ligaments and those kind of things. And so you have bigger, stronger, faster players. Your feet don't get really that much bigger, faster, stronger. And so there's a lot more pressure on those arches planting and those kind of things, especially as players continue to try to develop speed, you're going to see a lot more strain on the feet because they're, they're doing a lot more uh, speed exercises uh, with a lot more pressure on the um, front of their feet, the balls of their feet. Seems like that would stress that middle part of the foot a little bit more. Can RG3 survive a full game? I think his injury was a fluke injury, but... It's possible to parade or not to parade. So Michael had a bunch of questions all at the same time. To parade or not to parade, um, for me, I don't care what fans do. I know that sounds really terrible. I want fans to be excited about things. I want fans to focus on the positives. And so the parade seems like a focus on the negatives. But listen, fans can do whatever they want to do. Um, depends on if you believe that fans are doing it just to um, get their name out there, uh, which is a possibility. But listen, enjoy it. Sports is all about fun, and so how do you find fun? If you want to set up a parade and people want to go and whatever, do that thing. But you better show that same kind of energy when the, the team is doing well. I want to see the same amount or more clicks on my articles, on my podcast, when the team is doing well as when they're doing bad. And finally, why is Skyline, Skyline Chili, so bad? Um, I can't say bad things down here in the Dayton area. I'll get in trouble. Um Jack McMurray, McCurry, so that's J-M-C-C-U-R-R-Y-0-8. Uh, Jack and I interact a lot on uh, Twitter and different things. Ask whether I would have uh, Christian McCaffrey or Leonard Fournette. I think if you're talking about in a vacuum, Leonard Fournette's the better player. I think when you look at value, so where you could get either of those players, I think I'd be more comfortable with Christian McCaffrey because I'm picking him probably – at the top of the second round or somewhere in the second round, maybe even with the Titans pick, then I am Leonard Fournette, who I'm most likely going to have to take with the Eagles pick or with a trade down. Fournette's a more complete player. Matt Miller from Bleacher Report, who I really respect, uh, believes that Fournette is better than Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think he's as versatile as Ezekiel Elliott. He has some injury concerns that concern me a little bit, but the comparisons to Adrian Peterson are strong. 
And Peterson had a lot of injury concerns at Oklahoma. And so uh, talent-wise, it's Fournette. Uh, he fits with what Hugh Jackson wants to do at some level. Uh, but value-wise, I think it's going to be McCaffrey. And finally, for now, I'm going to focus on uh, finish up with Bob Evans, my buddy, the real Bob Evans. Uh, so the real Bob Evans, that's his Twitter account, uh, works with Victory Career, uh, does some marketing, um, all kinds of stuff, going to do some work with me uh, as we get down the road. Uh, Ask the question, can I please explain my love affair with Deshaun Watson? And I'll say this, because uh, I don't want to belabor the point, because I'll probably hit on it a few hundred times, but when Deshaun Watson is at his best, I see an accurate quarterback who can make all the throws in the NFL, has the ability to uh, elude pass rushers in a way that he can still throw the ball. He's not just out there running around. Um, I see a player who is a an amazing leader, a hard worker, who has become more and more of a leader uh, as as his career has gone on. But I also see what what you see and what many people see, which is a player who has some accuracy issues, who has struggled at times uh, to put the ball where he wants to. A lot of times I see that come up when he's trying to do too much or he puts himself under a lot of pressure. And so I see a player who wants it really, really bad and is going to put the work in because he wants it. And so um, someone like Derek Carr, when people talk about Derek Carr, obviously physically they're a different player. Derek Carr has just a, a cannon on his shoulder where I would say Watson can make all the throws. That's not really what Watson, Watson's not a power guy, but he's a, he's a Greg Maddox type, can make all the throws, uh, where Derek Carr maybe is a little bit more of a Randy Johnson type, and I'm aging myself with those references. But Watson is a leader. Watson is a hard worker. Watson is a guy who is going to do what it takes to make things happen. And some of my love for Watson has to do with Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson made Cody Kessler look okay. Right? I didn't expect... Cody Kessler to look anything close to okay. He was able to make something happen with some Josh McCown and some Terrell Pryor and a little bit of RG3. I believe that Deshaun Watson, under the tutelage of Hugh Jackson, will become what we see from Deshaun Watson at his best. Especially when you look at players like Corey Coleman, Terrell Pryor on the outside, uh, along with Rashad Higgins, who I think is going to be a very, very good receiver for the Browns down the road. I think you see the best of Deshaun Watson in the NFL not in college football. While his spread out system seems to uh, be uh, lead people to talk about system quarterback, for me, his system seems to not put him in the best position as a passer. And so I want to see a quarterback take that three, five, and seven step drop, deliver the ball. I don't see that in Clemson's offense. And I think that's where Deshaun Watson actually could be much better. Um, I'll throw this last question out there. There's a lot of other ones going on, but um, someone asked if right now, uh, so Mike Allen, who tweets at Mike Allen 2085 asked, if I had to choose between Miles Garrett and Jonathan Allen today at number one, who am I taking and why? And so um, I think Jonathan Allen is a, is a great talent. I don't think he's going to test well or as well as many people expect. Um, and so Miles Garrett would be my pick. The other reason that'd be my pick is that Miles Garrett uh, kind of is that edge rusher. He's that dynamic force. I think the Browns have some very, very good talent, um, but I don't think they have the guy that can really bend the edge, the Von Miller type player. And so uh, Miles Garrett does that. While I think Jonathan Allen could be a very good player uh, on the defensive line, I think 
the Browns have some players there that maybe aren't that edge bend dynamic kind of player with Carl Nassib, Danny Shelton, uh, and, and maybe even Emmanuel Ogba that I think Miles Garrett can be. So I think he's just a little bit different. So that's it for today's Twitter mailbag. Um, I thank you for everybody who's asked questions. There are some other ones up there. Uh, we'll do this again. Um, but really just wanted to kind of take some time to answer your questions because you get to hear from me all the time. It's good for me to get to hear from you and what you're wondering, what you're thinking about. So again, you can get a hold of me on Twitter. It's at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. You can subscribe to this Locked on Browns podcast at iTunes just to keep up with all of the the continual Monday through Friday, hopefully, podcasts that you're going to get from me. Or you can continue to go through Twitter on Audio Boom. Uh, all are good. All are welcome. Thank you again for stopping by, and go Browns! <laughs>